Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to Cost of Goods Sold with Jennifer Myers Chua, episode 10. In today's episode, we chat with Sheena Russell from Made with Local. We explore how she's created clean and simple snack food bars with social impact baked in. We learn how her childhood on a family farm in rural PEI influenced how Sheena sources ingredients how she's partnered with social enterprise bakeries to have her bars handmade by those facing barriers to employment, and why she shifted her mindset to partner with big box retail in order to create even more meaningful impact within her community. Cost of Goods Sold, a podcast about why the products that make a difference are made. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and I believe you can use your business or purchasing choices to cause a change you'd like to see in the world. Join me for conversations with intentional entrepreneurs, thoughtful designers, and responsible creators and curators building for profit companies that create positive social and environmental change. This episode is brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern retail. If you want to stock your shelves with brands that are socially responsible and sustainable, or if you want to be a part of the collection that is delighting Canadian retail, visit hitmummies.ca. They're a staple of packed lunches everywhere. They're found in almost every book bag. But granola bars have gotten a bad rap in the last couple of years for being full of sugar and palm oil, preservatives, GMOs and containing a long list of unpronounceable ingredients. They're terrible in terms of eco-friendliness. They're maybe not as healthy as we once thought they were. And conscious consumers have been seeking out alternatives to the heavily processed snack bars. Because no one, myself included, can dispute the convenience and practicality of ready-to-go snacks. I was delighted to stumble across Made with Local. Hailing from the Maritimes, this humble snack brand bar is found in retailers nationwide. Not only do they make nourishing bars with real ingredients sourced from local farmers, each bar has social impact baked in. Made with Local's truly innovative business model provides meaningful and exciting work for people who are experiencing barriers to mainstream employment. And their peanut butter blondie bar? It's to die for. I had the chance to meet with Sheena Russell, the founder and CEO of Made with Local. She's passionate about supporting small farmers, incredibly bright, and speaking with her, you'd think you're catching up with an old friend. Sheena's based in the Halifax area, but she was born and raised in rural Prince Edward Island and moved to Nova Scotia for university, which is where she's stayed, and grew made with local from a booth at the Halifax Seaport Farmers Market to being one of the East Coast's most recognized brands. Sheena's upbringing is important to note. Her time spent on her family farm, surrounded by other farmers and producers, and growing up with her very large extended family, you can see how her childhood has influenced the values of the company. I was born and raised in PEI, and I was born and raised in a rural community on a family farm. 
um, surrounded by tons of cousins. My mom is one of 13 kids and pretty much all of them live within like a few kilometer radius of the farm. Really beautiful and kind of like old fashioned childhood. Honestly, like I think back to the way that we did things like that would have been literally like the 90s and it could have easily been like the 50s or 60s. Like, so a really beautiful, nourishing, rural childhood. I was raised by parents who were incredibly generous and inclusive and growing up in a big family that like just my immediate family. We've got four kids in my immediate family. So a family of six and then plus a very large extended family. There's a lot of sharing and a lot of collaboration that happens in that kind of space. Even back in elementary school, Sheena had what she called an activist sort of energy. She had founded a little environmental group called the Green Angels and recruited classmates to come with her and pick up litter. She was intensely interested in sustainability, even though she didn't have the words to describe that at the time. And I used to like, yeah, be very, very intense as a kid about sustainability. Didn't know that was the word at the time, but like littering and picking up litter and saving the whales and all the little things, all the things that like a young child perceives to be the biggest environmental and social issues of of their time. I was a very passionate kid in in that space. Yeah, it's kind of baked in to my my perception of the world, I guess. In her late teens, Sheena embarked on what she felt was an absolutely epic life adventure and moved to Halifax to attend Dalhousie University for environmental science. It was a huge, huge deal because she was the first of her really large family to travel off island to do post-secondary education. This led to a very cushy, very predictable, but sought-after government job, which gave Sheena the space to be bored and get excited about doing something that was more in line with her passion, which was beautiful, nourishing food, and which was sharing the stories of local farmers and food producers. She sat with her boredom, and she let her imagination run wild. But it never really crossed her mind to start a company or be an entrepreneur, not until Sheena was already in the thick of it. And when I asked her to share her origin story, Sheena says that she wishes that there was some sort of epic aha moment. But in reality, Sheena and her coworker Kathy had come together over lunch breaks and gym dates and began to daydream of a project that was fun, that gave them something meaningful to do on the weekends. Both food lovers, they had the opportunity and the interest of bringing yummy snacks to the farmer's market. They began to make snacks that were for busy people on the go who wanted something better than that very limited selection with those unpronounceable ingredients that you could find at the grocery store at that time. Sheena's no longer at the farmer's market. She now runs her thriving business from an office space in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, which is outside of Halifax. But that vibrant community of the seaport area, the public art, the live music, it's never left her. COVID times have been good for business. We'll chat about that in a bit. But she's craving that public display of art and culture, that celebration and live music. Clearly, there are much more pressing matters in the world, but I'm really looking forward to times, hopefully, where we have lots more of that. I'm like, anytime I even think about going to a concert, I cry. (laughs) I cannot wait to be, you know, back in the community and, and taking it all in. And now that the world is opening up again, Sheena feels hopeful. She's looking forward to taking in the sights and sounds of her community again and be inspired by that real sense of the vibrant community that was such a big part of the early days of the business. We knew that we could make something delicious and nourishing, and we also realized that we could do it with essentially lots of local ingredients, which was 
really becoming a, a trend that was picking up at that time. Farmers markets were becoming way more mainstream. And in Halifax here where we're based, we were just seeing more and more folks really start to think about who is growing my food. And I actually have the option to buy it closer to the source. So with all of those things combined, that really was the genesis for what we thought was just going to be this like fun little side hustle to take on some weekend stuff. And it clearly... <laughs> kind of took on a mind of its own and is much more than that these days but it is humble beginnings farmers market for two years at a little five-foot table and then very slowly reaching out into little cafes and grocery stores and that's where it all started it sounds like you decided to make impact after you decided to make snacks how did that connection happen the earliest days of the business were taken lightly honestly the focus was fun food delicious food storytelling and community connection. And it wasn't until I became pregnant with my daughter, Ruthie, in 2014, that I realized, okay, we got to figure out another business model here, because me baking the bars on Monday nights, and then packaging them on Tuesdays, and then going to the farmer's market on the weekends, is not sustainable with a big giant belly, or a newborn. So I got to the point in my pregnancy where I knew that something had to happen for me to be able to continue to pull this business off, but I didn't actually have a plan. It was, I think, totally serendipitously an act of fate or whatever you want to call it. One day I got a phone call from an organization just outside of Halifax in a place called New Minus, a social enterprise bakery called the Flower Cart Group. And they reached out and were like, hey, a couple of different people in the local space have mentioned we should reach out to you because we're trying to get our little commercial bakery up off the ground. And we thought that maybe you would like to partner with us. Do you need help? And I was just remember sitting in my car and like, ugly crying with my eight month pregnant belly and being like, Oh my God, yes, please help me. <laughs> essentially. So that was just this like beautiful, wild serendipitous phone call that seemingly came out of nowhere at the absolute perfect time. And it was only at that point, two plus years into the business that we really started establishing this innovative model, which we're best known for today, which is bringing these beautiful local ingredients from farmers who are like literally up the road from this social enterprise bakery, bringing the ingredients in, hand making the bars in partnership with these social enterprise bakeries that employ and train folks who are experiencing some type of barrier to the mainstream workforce. And creating these snacks that actually taste better than anything else out on the market. They've got a beautiful, simple ingredients list and have a quantifiable and tangible social impact on the community around them, which is something in my continued research, we're not seeing that in the energy bar space very much at all through North America. So I knew that we were onto something really special. The, the impact piece really has been evolving and it continues to evolve in the business. We're never just saying, okay, this is good enough. Oh, we're doing enough good work. We can stop now. <laughs> like that's really not our MO. It really has been this beautiful evolution as we continue to like partner with new incredible farmers and food producers and create new social enterprise partnerships. So it's just something that we're just doubling down on year over year in the business and made with local turned nine years old a couple weeks ago, which is absolutely crazy. So that's how that side of things is, has come to be and continues to really guide us. You have a unique experience in that you grew up surrounded by farmland and farmers and new people that were creating ingredients. But I'm wondering, why do you think it's so important? For me, feeling like I have a personal connection to the people 
who grew my food is an incredible thing. It just gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. Like even right now, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about how how beautiful it is that the incredible amount of work that farmers put into bringing their products into the world, like farming is absolute insanity. (laughs) And if you don't know a farmer, you like, I'm sure any farmers that are listening to this are like, yep, we got to screw loose because it's an incredibly difficult way of spending your life and your career. So there's just the the heart and soul that farmers put into creating these beautiful foods. And then to be able to take it directly from this person who so intimately brought it into the world in partnership with the earth and their family, and to be able to consume that and literally like make that food part of my body, taking it into my body and like incorporating that into like the literal cells that make up who I am. I don't know. It's like really... It's very intimate. Something that we say in Made With Local is that we like to think about love as an essential nutrient in your food. It's a bit of a paradigm shift on, oh, love is like the ingredient. It's like, of course, you add love to your food when you're making it. But what if we also thought about love as like a literal nutrient to fuel us? Like you think about getting enough like fat or protein or fiber in your diet. Like what about if you thought about having love as a nutrient, as a macro (laughs) in your diet, right? So I think about that and I think about the high love content of food that comes directly from farmers and food producers in in that way. So that's why local food matters so much to me. That's the perspective that I have on local food and also the strength of community that is built when folks prioritize supporting local agriculture and local food systems is incredible right? It's a beautiful thing. And the socioeconomic impact of that and everything, like there's just an incredible spinoff from making a choice, which is often like pretty simple of choosing something that's locally produced over maybe a slightly more convenient version that's made God knows where. Those are some of the reasons why I feel like supporting local is is so important. And I think now more than ever, again, especially in like a post-COVID world, feeling that that renewed sense of connection to community is something that I feel like we're all really hungry for. This was all serendipitous. This manufacturer reached out to you, which is an amazing story because usually it's the opposite. You're really hunting, you're searching, et cetera. But you wouldn't have partnered with them unless you really believed in this concept, right? So I'm just wondering if you can recall any moments where you realized that giving back was important to you because it's clear that you can see with the way you've grown this business that it is. Is there any moments where you realize that you wanted to create change in this way? I will tell you, like, I'm not your average entrepreneur or CEO in that I'm, I struggle to be solely financially driven. Like at the end of the day, I'm somebody who's like very at peace with having just enough. And I'm like comfortable with just enough. And I don't like get fired up by seeing dollar signs flying in my eyes. That's just not who I am as a person. It, again, comes from like coming from pretty humble means and real PEI. Like we weren't rich, but I still had a beautiful childhood. So that kind of foundation was laid for me from an early age. And I think the motivation for me to grow my business is so much more fired up by this concept of like innovation and impact than it is on the just sheer dollars and cents side of things. All that to say, you're not going to grow a business if it's not making money. So the the really cool thing that has come from us 
building out this model over a pretty gradual period of time from those very earliest days with the flower cart group to now having a much larger impact and footprint is that we've been able to figure it away. Like we're not a not-for-profit business. We are not a charity. Like this is a profitable enterprise, but we've also figured out a way to do that and commit to social impact at every available opportunity, whether it be through our supply chain or our production partners or whatever. And that is really unique. And I can say, though, that I just wouldn't have cared enough about building a business if it didn't have this impact side of things, because being an entrepreneur is way too damn hard. (laughs) And I'm not financially motivated enough to suffer through that if it was only just about the money. So when people say, oh, why did you choose to grow the business in this way? And it's like, I kind of feel like I don't know how to do business any other way, honestly. (laughs) Can you give us some more insight into how you are different from other brands in your category? Oh my goodness, so many ways. The number one struggle for me in communicating about Made With Local is that there are too many good things or too many exciting things to talk about in the brand, which sounds ridiculous, but it's honestly true. We have a really hard time narrowing down our key messages because I can't pick a favorite child amongst all of the key messages and made with local and all the things we stand for. They're all equally important to me on the very fundamental side of things from like the actual product. It's made with ultra simple ingredients. You can literally make our bars probably with the ingredients that you have at home in your own cupboard. Beautiful Canadian grown organic oats. Our our bars are sweetened only with beautiful small batch Canadian honey, fair trade or and organic ingredients like chocolate and coconut that we mindfully source from ethical suppliers, blueberries and apples, and just gorgeous ingredients that are really familiar to us here in Canada and are sourced in a way that really connect us as closely as possible to the farmer or producer. For that reason, like we're not using any ingredients that you wouldn't be able to find in your own cupboard. And there are other brands out there that say that they're made with 100% real food, but then you look at the ingredients list And you're like, would I have that thing just hanging out my pantry? In theory, you can stretch anything to say, yes, it's real food derived. But like, would I have a jar of that sitting in my cupboard? No. (laughs) So that's one thing that's, you know, it ruffles my feathers a little bit. But that's that's the world of, of CPG. So yeah, beautiful clean ingredients that we can source right back to where they were made and produced. And then the production side of thing, and, and not just the what they're made of, but the how they're made is something that is absolutely unique, not only in Canada amongst our competitors here, but also in North America and probably beyond based on what I've seen, is that our bars are all handmade in partnership with social enterprise bakeries that help to train and employ folks who are living with some type of disability or barrier to the mainstream workforce. They're actually producing these products, right? And and it creates this beautiful ripple effect out into their lives, their families, their communities. So with that, like those two things married, which is the what it's made of and the how it's made produces this product that has this like very quantifiable, very real social impact that that goes out in all directions. I value this and our thousands and thousands of Canadian customers value this because they want to nourish their bodies with foods that align with their personal values and their viewpoints in the world. And they have this sense that food, because of all of these things, the food is going to nourish you in a different kind of way than some other kind of like mass produced bars that are made with kind of meant ingredients. It's a different experience. 
I believe. And that's what I want people to feel. Like I want people to have this feeling when they're eating one of our made with local real food bars that it is experience that connects them to their community. One of my absolute favorite suppliers is a little apiary here in Nova Scotia called Cosman and Witten Honey. They are literally down the road from the Flower Carts Bakery, like a couple of kilometers down the road. They're this amazing little family-owned apiary. They've got a few staff and hives that they spread out all across the Annapolis Valley in Nova Scotia, which is almost kind of like the East Coast Okanagan. Honestly, it's very, very highly productive orchard territory. We make beautiful wines there. So the beehives are rented out to farmers and they are put into these fields to help pollinate the different crops. And then the honey that comes from that is just I don't know. I honestly can barely even talk about Cosmo and Win without getting teared up because I adore them so much. And our relationship with them has really, they're the very first honey that we ever used to make the very first made with local bar. We've been making our real food bars here in Nova Scotia with their honey for nine years, every single one. I don't think we've ever even had to place an order for another brand of honey, even in a pinch. Like it's Tom from Cosmo and Wooden and his partner, Marianne, have come through for us <laughs> always. I really believe in honey. I'm going to go off on a bit of a honey tangent here. I believe in honey as being such a beautiful and underappreciated ingredient and sweetener. Like it's just something that is there's something magical about honey in my eyes and a lot of people don't know this but honey literally never goes bad like there have been records of archaeologists like finding liquid honey in ancient egyptian tombs and for us the alternatives in the bar space what you see competitors using for a sweetener which you do need in a bar this is just like basic like bar chemistry and physics <laughs> you need something sticky to hold it together so what you often will see is like a brown rice syrup or glucose, something that's super processed. And we don't have a sight line on how those ingredients are produced, right? And yes, for a brown rice syrup or glucose syrup, they're technically vegan, which I know there are vegans in the world who have issues with honey. And I, this is a hill I'll die on that. But but like I, I, where are we getting agave? What's the ethics behind the supply chain on agave syrup? Do you know who's involved in the farming and harvesting of agave are they treated properly are they paid well what about brown rice syrup how's that being made where is it being made who's making it i can drive down a couple kilometers from the road from our bakery visit tom and marianne i see the bees i see the hives i watch them harvest the honey in their little barn out back and bottle it and i take it to our bakery and i put it in our bars and send it out to loblaws and sobeys and all these other grocery stores local honey ethically produced honey in a small kind of artisanal kind of way is a hill I'll die on. <laughs> and that's what you will get in every made with local bar. So honey is um, a really important part of what we do and who we support and what we make here at made with local. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking the time to rate and review it on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us spread the word about the project and about brands that are truly making a difference. On to the show. Another awesome of our very earliest day ingredient suppliers would be another local one here to us in Nova Scotia, Terra Beata. They are another family-owned company based in Lunenburg County in Nova Scotia, which is absolutely gorgeous. It is just iconic. 
They farm cranberries and they dry them on site. They also source blueberries and apples and cherries from around the Maritimes and dry them at their facility there. So we've been using Terabiata's cranberries, again, since very day one. Dave and Evelyn Ernst are the owners and the founders and and owners of Terabiata. And there was one day years ago, I was trying to figure out if there was an opportunity for them to start doing some co-packing for us for a dried mix because they have equipment where they can put dry stuff in a hopper and it filters down and weighs into a pouch, which is great. So we were trying to figure out from them if we could have them start making this product for us. So I've got like little, my daughter Ruthie in the little baby buckets, he just like on the floor and they're like, production facility and it was nothing for me to like drive down there with my baby and like bring her along and in the earliest days Evelyn was somebody who would answer a call for me on anything like business and grocery related because you can find nationally their beautiful cranberry juices and dried fruit at Sobeys and Loblaws I believe and so I would talk to her and be like how do I get a UPC code like how does this work with this big grocery store all of these things that have nothing to do with cranberries but she would always be like call me we'll hop on a call and she would talk me through it and now They continue to be even bigger business than made with local, but we've caught up a little bit since those early days. And these are just like the so much deeper relationships than just in some companies or some CPG brands where your supply chain is literally like cut the distributor a PO for the stuff you need and it shows up on a pallet a week later. Like our relationships with our suppliers are really like family. And, and the coolest thing that I just feel really proud about in the growth of the company has been that bucking the trend that a lot of people would expect, which would be growth of the company means more streamlining of our suppliers. And not to say that we aren't more efficient than we used to be, we absolutely are, but we're constantly looking for new opportunities to work with new interesting suppliers to be part of this family. We're not trying to, you know, consolidate into one distributor and get everything on one purchase order. That's not at all what we're doing, much to the chagrin of our, like, operations team. (laughs) They're like, oh, my God, please. Again, one of the reasons and one of the things that, like, literally gets me out of bed in the morning is the opportunity to partner with people who are making beautiful food and make their beautiful food part of our beautiful food and to be able to share that story. It's just, yeah, it it just makes me, it, it makes me so happy and just fills my cup and is, like, the whole reason why we're doing this. What does it mean to you to be a certified B Corp? I think... We are the first certified bar company. We are absolutely amongst the leaders in the B Corp movement here in food products in Canada, especially in the world of food. There are so many different certifications you can get, right? There's organic, there's gluten-free, and those are important for certain folks. Absolutely. There's non-GMO. There's all different kinds of ones. You name it, there's a food certification for it. For me, the one that aligns most deeply with the values of Made With Local, and for me personally is a B Corp certification because it's about so much more than just being organic or being certified this, that, or the other thing from a nutrition perspective. It's a holistic certification on the entire business, not just about one ingredient or not just about an allergen. It's every single part of the company is combed through with a fine tooth comb, (laughs) I will say, through that process scored rigorously against the most ethical and sustainable companies in the world. Especially two years ago, when we first got certified, we're quite a small brand by for all intents and purposes. But I wanted for us to go through this process so that we could continue to like prove our deep commitment to doing things a different way. 
and to using our business as a force for good in the world, because that's what being a B Corp is all about, is thinking like, okay, we've built this business, and I'm going to literally get in the driver's seat and use it as a vehicle for positive change. I hate to break it to everybody, but people aren't going to care about keto in five years. It's going to be proven that it's not good for you. And I think that there's lots of people already understanding that. Sorry to people who love keto. (laughs) Not to paint with a broad stroke. It works for some people, but not for the number of people who think they should be doing it. These type of things, like they come and go. But sustainability and, and committing to conduct your business in a way that is deeply aligned with the change we need to see in society as a whole is something that absolutely will not go away. And it's only going to continue to hopefully be something that we see more and more brands come on board with. You have a newer product, this one kilogram granola bar mix, which is exclusively at Costco. Can you walk me through how that happened, how you got into Costco, what that partnership looks like? I I will say something I am known for in the company is digging my heels in on mass grocery because I used to believe that it felt like it was kind of a sellout kind of thing. Like we're this indie brand commitment to all things grassroots and local. And like, what does that say about us if we're out in the biggest grocery stores or corporations in the country, right? But what we come back to as a team and what I continually remind myself of is that when you build a business that is engineered to create social impact like made with local is our growth means you're growing your impact so it's not about me anymore right like my ego needs to step aside or my fear needs to step aside and say the opportunities that are held for this company in the future with growth are not mine to stifle because i just like am turning my nose up at a certain like mass whatever opportunity so i fought costco against the notion of costco for a long time and then, then COVID hit and the world decided that they loved baking all of a sudden, love baking. And we've been making this granola bar mix product in some way, shape or form for years. And it's been like pushing a boulder up the side of a mountain. Like people just like weren't getting it or like, I don't know, it was just, it's a brand new kind of product, right? It's an innovative product. It's like a cake mix for granola bars. We have cake mixes, we have muffin mixes. Everybody knows these things and has them in their cupboard, but people haven't historically been buying a granola bar mix, even though, like, why not? So it's this really cool product that we had a lot of trouble getting off the ground for a long time, but we saw this opportunity with the world starting to spend more time at home and spend more time baking and getting back to meal prepping and just being at home more often. This opportunity for specifically this format, like a jumbo sized bag being something that people might be excited about. So our director of sales here, Christine, she started talking to the Costco buyer, uh, like over LinkedIn, honestly, a year before we launched, they are pretty collaborative with brands, right? They know what their members like. We know what we had to offer them in terms of the different types of flavors and the organic certification and all of these things that we said that we could bring to the table. And we effectively co-created this unique product for them, which is our one kg version of the granola bar mix in a chocolate chip flavor, which is so yummy. And from the earliest conversations that Christine was having with Costco until the day that we sent out that very first chunk of pallets to them, it was almost exactly a year like maybe a little closer to 13 months, actually, it was a very long process, but it's been wild. And the 
I keep using ripple effect as I keep saying that, but it's just like a theme that happens in the business always is that we're seeing this ripple effect out from Costco, that all of a sudden now Loblaws and Sobeys and the other stores that have been carrying our smaller bags, the 300 gram bags for like a year plus at this point, can't keep it stocked. So it went into Costco and it's kind of like a granola bar mix bomb went off. <laughs> And it's done really, really well, despite all odds. Like we launched into Costco literally the same week that Ontario stopped their selling of any non-essential goods. So food counts as an essential good, of course. But Costco's, as like from a warehouse perspective, is like they were in complete disarray and had to change everything about how they were doing business at that same time. So we actually launched into Costco like that same week against all odds. It's been an incredible opportunity for our business and the impact of this, of this program with them has been incredible, right? We just on their very first order had to purchase 20,000 kilograms of Canadian grown and produced ingredients. And every single one of those 30 plus thousand bags on that first order that we packed for Costco were hand packed at a social enterprise in the GTA in Toronto Again, it's being able to tell those stories and come back to that that root of impact and connection for me is the one that is like, all right, like what else can we do with Costco? <laughs> you know, like it might seem like it it runs counter course to who we are and what we stand for, but our mission is to bring these beautiful, impact focused, nourishing, delicious foods to as many people as we possibly can. And there are different vehicles to do that, and Costco for sure is one of them. What are the costs associated of not supporting our local producers? Like, why do you think it's so important? I mean, I don't have any like quick data points that I can throw at you in terms of like the opportunity cost of people just not consciously choosing to to buy local when they have the opportunity to. I guess for me, I go back to the the sense of connection and love, honestly, that I experience as a human when I know more about the food that I'm putting in my body and that I have an emotional or personal connection to the food that I'm putting in my body that like literally like nourishes and I'm gonna get weird again literally like nourishes my soul it honestly does and I think about the opportunity cost of that like every time you have a meal and again like we're busy I'm a mom like I'm not sitting down making these like beautiful heritage heirloom lettuce salads like three times a day I'm not at all don't get me wrong I'm still like living the the busy mom life eating Annie's mac and cheese a couple times a week so don't get the wrong impression but there is an opportunity every time we sit down to create a meal for ourselves to to connect right to connect to the community to connect to the farmers I think the biggest loss on a personal and community level that we miss by not doing that is by disengaging or by feeling like your decisions don't matter Because every single dollar that you spend, every single meal that you choose to feed yourself and your family, if you're privileged enough to really be able to make a choice about the food that you bring into your home, which is a privilege, let's say that too, every opportunity is a vote for the world that you want to live in. You're casting a vote for the world that you want to live in, right? So by spending your money on the bag of local carrots instead of the ones that you don't know where they come from like it's such a simple decision but it's literally like every time like that reaffirmation of like I'm casting a vote for the world that I want to live in and I guess this is me kind of coming full circle on not really knowing how to answer this question right off the bat it's a wasted vote right you're wasting your vote 
if you are not thinking about or trying to prioritize choosing a local product or having that connection to the food or any product, really, your body care stuff, the clothing, again, it's a very privileged position to be able to choose to support these things. And I want to just kind of double down on that message because it is. But But for those of us who do have the privilege of being able to choose, we need to use that privilege and that power wisely to not understand that or not to take advantage of that. For me, that's the big loss. That's the votes are being lost in that in that space. I came across a quote on your Instagram page, and I was just wondering if you could comment on it or if you had any comments on it, where it came from or what it means to you. So the quote was, it is critical to recognize that the highly processed industrial food we are buying is artificially cheap and that the planet taxpayers and people of the developing world are picking up the tab. Do you remember that one? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that really, that does sum it up as, especially Western consumers, nothing, nothing is as cheap as it is. Like you go to Walmart and something's like, oh my God, what a great deal. What a smoking deal. That's amazing. No, it's not that it's actually that it was that inexpensive for that product to come to you for two ninety seven. It's that there are people along the supply chain bringing that product to the Walmart or whomever. I'm going to pick on Walmart because I feel like they're one of the worst offenders in this space who suffered and they were not compensated appropriately in many different ways. And that cheapness on shelf is only because people down chain were denied access to human rights level stuff. That's what that boils down to, right? These are externalities. Like that's this what this is referred to in economics is the externalities of supply chain. We in May with Local have thought really long and hard about the different types of ingredients and different types of innovation that we'll bring into the company. And you'll notice when you look at our ingredients decks on our products, like we're not using, I'm going to use air quotes here, kind of like exotic ingredients or superfoods. Again, I'm going to air quotes that superfoods that are sourced from countries or communities or from companies rather that have track record or are perceived in the world to not be treating their supply chain appropriately. We stay away from it because we vote with our dollars, right? And made with local. And we want to make sure that our dollars are being only put towards products and services that align with our personal values and that don't continue to exacerbate the inequalities that we see rampant, especially I'm speaking specifically through food, food supply, global food supply chain. So our coconut that we use is certified organic, certified fair trade. Our cocoa that we are using, our chocolate chips, our newest um, supplier that we're really excited about. We're soon going to be working with this incredible cocoa and chocolate chip supplier from uh, Mission BC called MCOW. It's a female run independent chocolatier business where she, a Yeezy, the founder, she sources beautiful um, raw cacao products from her family's farm in Cameroon and exports from her family's farm in Cameroon to British Columbia and produces cocoa and chocolate chips and cacao butter and all of these kind of value added products. We will be getting like in our next order of cocoa and uh, chocolate chips, we'll be getting directly from a Yeezy and directly from her family farm in Cameroon. So really cutting out as many middlemen as possible and going direct to the source and paying a fair price. Like, I hate to break it to everybody because food is already as expensive as it is, but it's not expensive enough. And there's certain people who are getting really rich at the top of the very, 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 very top of the corporate food system. 
And there are literally millions and millions of people across the world who are not being compensated remotely appropriately for the work that they're doing in keeping our global food supply chain rolling. It's funny because it's also like maybe bad business practice in the world of like regular corporate business. But I am thrilled to be referring other brands, other companies to work with my suppliers and to partner with social enterprises. Because I'm like, if our mission is to be to be growing this sector or to be growing the footprint of businesses who are doing good in the world, then like it is not our job to put up the walls and say, nobody else can work with these suppliers. There are suppliers. We want to make sure that they will always have enough product to, to service us for sure. But like, I want them to succeed too. That's the whole point, right? Is shared prosperity. Do you have a moment that stands out in your mind where you realize that this business was going to be profitable and it was going to go forward? It still feels like, like there's almost every day where I can't believe we're pulling this off. Like it's almost kind of the opposite. It's working. And I mean, I feel like I, I have a habit in, of in these kind of interviews making it sound like we're just like everything's tickety-boo and it's just all happened to us and it's been all magic. It's super hard work, but we have an amazing team and an amazing community under us, which is also like the life force of me with Local, which is our community of farmers and food producers and customers. We have customers around us who've been literally buying our bars since 2012 at the Halifax Seaport Farmers Market, and they still do to this day. It's incredible. So I feel like maybe it's them who convince us, who are like, yes, I'm obsessed with these. All my friends are obsessed with these. This is amazing. Never stop doing what you're doing. So I feel like that chorus comes from the outside. Costco was a big deal. Like Costco was one of those those kind of feather in your cap, not that it was just a feather in our cap, it wasn't just kind of like a vanity thing that we did at all. It was an enormous boost to our business and a huge opportunity. And we're so grateful for it. But it was one of those things like, oh, wow, okay, we're not the farmer's market anymore, baby. It was a huge, huge leap. And one that we again, we saw it be like a net positive, not only within the context of Costco, but also for the whole rest of the business, it really started putting us more on the map. And we're in about 1,500 grocery stores all across Canada now. Loblaws, Sobeys, Save on Foods, Calgary Co-op, tons of little independents. Like we're in the lion's share of grocery stores. And that really helps you (laughs) feel like, okay, we didn't just get lucky and land a listing at like one grocery store. It's everywhere. And that feels incredible. So those are the achievements that we've had in the last couple of years, especially that make sure to reassure us that we're on the right path and that people people want what we're selling. People want what we make and people value what we do. And that just continues to push us to go deeper and deeper into our values and and double down on what we're doing. I'm going to be honest with you that we've also had those struggles when it comes to big box or anything like this. A dramatic mindset shift to say, no, the better I do here, the better of the impact I can have. It's a tremendous shift. It took me a lot longer, I think. (laughs) And it sounds like it took you, but it's true. Were there any mistakes that you think you made along the way or things that now that you're here and you look backwards at your journey here, is there anything that you would have changed? I wouldn't absolutely erase any experience that happened because like, I know it's cliche as hell, but it's, you learn absolutely um, invaluable stuff from major screw ups in a business, I probably 
probably would have shut a couple of things down a little sooner than I let them drag on. <laughs> There's been times where a certain partnership, for example, like we just wanted to make it work so badly and a partnership with, with another bakery that we really wanted to get off the ground. And on paper, it just made so much sense. And I was like, this is how we're going to scale this company. We're scaling this second social enterprise and it's going to be incredible. And there were just so many, not even hints, but like glaring things along the way that that I should have taken as a sign that this wasn't the right fit. It was just like our visions and capabilities were misaligned. It might seem like we're kind of a, an overnight success. We're absolutely not. Like we've been working hard at growing this company for almost a decade now, uh, which is wild. So there have been things like that where I wouldn't erase the experience entirely. I would have just probably pulled the shoot a little bit sooner. <laughs> Change is incredibly painful. And the pain, I think, in the last year or so has been felt disproportionately by our marginalized communities, Black, Indigenous, people of color, the two-spirit LGBTQ community. The uprising racially and otherwise that's happened in this last year has been so overdue. And I am, despite how painful it's been for these communities, so hopeful now that there is going to be real change, right? In our generation and also for the generations to come. I think about my girls and like the type of world that I want them to grow up in. And I am really hopeful. If you want to learn more about Sheena and her nourishing, delicious treats with social impact baked in, visit madewithlocal.com. Looking to try Made With Local yourself? Find the real food bars and the granola bar mix in 1,500 grocery stores across Canada. You can follow along with Sheena on her mission to employ and train Canadians experiencing barriers to the mainstream workforce and help build stronger communities on Facebook or Instagram at Made With Local. This episode was brought to you by Hip Mummies, carefully curated wholesale merchandise for modern Canadian retail. If you want to stock your shelves with carefully vetted, proven safe and thoughtfully designed brands, or if you're looking for Canadian distribution and representation, visit hipmummies.ca. Thank you for joining us this week. If you want to find out more about this episode or any of the previous episodes, please visit thecostofgoodsold.com. Have a founder story that you think we should feature? Reach out on Twitter or Instagram at ofgoodsold. My name is Jennifer Myers-Chua, and you've been listening to Cost of Goods Sold, the podcast.